ignorance is not good. In Proverbs 19 and verse 2, the word of God tells us, for the soul to be without knowledge, that is ignorance. It says is not good. One of the things I made up my mind to do early on in my life, as a younger believer, I'm still a young believer, but as a younger believer, one of the things I made up my mind to chase after is to look into the word of God daily and look at the things that the Bible says are good and to begin to do them and to begin to have them and to begin to become them. I made up my mind as a younger believer. And also to look at the things that the Bible says are not good to begin to shy away and run away and to avoid them like a plague. For instance, I saw that God said it is not good for the man to be alone. So I made up my mind that I will get married. Even though I didn't have money, but I had the faith in my heart. Up until the time I was going to get married, I didn't have much money. I did, I had, I did some saving, but it wasn't anywhere compared to the budget. But to the glory of God, we have been married for 12 years now. We are going to be 12 years in December. And my wife has not run away out of no money to feed her or to take care of her and the children. When you see anything like that, as a very hungry student of the Bible, I decided, when the Bible says it's not good to keep malice, I said, I will not keep malice. The Bible says it's not good to steal. Say, let every man walk with his hands so that he may have to give to those who I need. I said, okay, I walk with my hands. I still walk till today. I still run my businesses. I saw in the Bible that it's not good to put your trust in the arm of the flesh. Isaiah 2.22, it says, cease from man. Whose breath is in his nostrils? What can it be accounted of? In the Psalms, the psalmist said, it is not good to put your trust in princes. I said, wow, I know a lot of princes. I chose to not put my trust in them. Till today, it has been my life mantra to look to God. I saw in Psalm 121 that David said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. So my help comes from the Lord. And I chose as a younger person, when we're going to get married, I told my wife, I said, there are two things I don't do. There is one I do. The three of them start with the word B, the letter B. Number one, I don't beg. It is not a thing of pride. But I saw that in the Bible, a child of God does not beg. Psalm 37 verse 25. He said, I was young. I've been young. Now I'm old. Now, I'm not old yet. So, and this is one of the confessions of my family. Daily confessions. My children know it. So this is how we say it. I've been young. Now I'm getting older. All right? We are not yet old, but we are getting older. If you were 17 before, now you're 18. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken. No seed begging bread. So I made up my mind. I would never beg anybody for anything. Some people call that pride. It's their cup of coffee. <laughs> but I saw in the word of God, in fact, pride is when you do contrary to what the word says. When the word of God says forgive somebody, I say, I will never forgive them. You are proud. So I chose to not beg. And so I told my fiance, who was going to be my wife, you see this man you are going to marry so that it will not shock you in the future. It shock you? 
So it will not shock you. I don't beg. That's my first B. Second B, I don't borrow. Because I saw. See, I'm telling you about my life tonight. As we go into the word of God. I saw in Romans 13 and verse 8. That you should owe no man nothing. But to love them. So if there's anything I owe anybody, it is love. I don't owe you money. I don't owe money. I don't borrow. If I don't have to meet a need that I have, I look to God, I look at my pocket. What do I have there? It is not enough to meet my need. I turn it to my seed. I sow it. I'm a seed sower, as you look at me tonight. And I thank God he has never failed me, not once. Not once has it ever happened in my life. When it remains small, just a little like this, for shame to come, I look to him. Psalm 34 and verse 5. They looked to him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. I saw in Philippians 1.20, in nothing will I be ashamed. And so, this has formed my life core values. My core values. So, come rain, come shine. I told her, I, I don't beg, I don't borrow. I saw somewhere in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that the borrower is the servant of the lender. I said, no, I don't want to be a servant to anybody. Nobody is as nice to you as one who wants to borrow money from you. When he gets to your house, he will be greeting the great man that he normally doesn't greet. He will greet your dog. Ah, bingo, how are you? How are you doing? This dog is getting fat out. All because he wants to come and borrow. I saw that from the word of God. It is not good to borrow. In Deuteronomy 28, Verses 1 to 14, we have a chronicle of the blessing there. One of those verses, it says you shall borrow, you shall, sorry, you shall lend to nations and shall not borrow from any of them. So I saw that it is better to lend than to borrow. Amen? It is good to guide your affairs with discretion. For the soul to be without knowledge is not good. That's why Paul the Apostle said, now concerning spiritual gifts. So you want to know the last B. Because I know some of you are catching my word, word for word. Glory be to God. And some are listening or watching online. The last B of my life is the B for believe. I don't beg. I don't borrow. I believe. When I believe in God, this God is bigger than the biggest bank in the world. Is bigger than the biggest of men. No matter what anybody has, what do you, what does anybody have compared to what my father has? In Isaiah chapter 40, it says the entire world is like a drop in a bucket. Now, what is a drop of water compared to a bucket full of water? One translation says a drop in the ocean. Put all the continents together. Over 200 and something nations and territories across the world. The Bible says they are all like a drop in a bucket. He said, put them on the balance. They weigh less than nothing. With all the billions and trillions of dollars in this world, they weigh nothing before God. There is something called asteroids. Asteroids, those of you that are studying physics, so you know something about physics, you know about asteroids. Asteroids are floating in the outer space. If you catch one of them, one of them is what? trillions of U.S. dollars. Trillions of U.S. dollars. 
because they are rich in metal. The metal that, that form asteroids are very rich. So if you catch one of them and bring them to the earth, I believe the United States government is, doing, is working tirelessly to get one. What are asteroids? Asteroids are those things that didn't come together to form a planet. In other words, God's garbage, God's leftovers. When a woman is trying to bake cake, she will mix the flour with butter. Am I right about that? And some other ingredient, put eggs and mix and mix and mix and mix and mix. Then when she wants to bake, she'll be cutting it out portion by portion. Do you know that no matter how stingy that woman is, there will still be some leftover in the basin in which she has mixed the flour. Am I making sense? Or when you make a mala or make a bar and you cut for everybody, there will still be some leftover that will be hanging around the, the corners of the bowl. Am I right about that? Those are the leftovers. Asteroids are God's leftovers. After creation, after he created all the planets, the asteroids are just floating there. God's leftovers. Each of them, what trillions, in fact, quadrillions of US dollars. My father's garbage. My father's leftover. If I am not rich, then something is wrong with me. If we will do our due diligence, it doesn't cost God nothing to make each of us a kingdom billionaire. Don't get me wrong. We are not here to chase money or really to talk money and everything and everything. But you know money is needed. Even for the ministry. But let your heart be right. If your heart is right with God, it's only a matter of time and faith, those things will come to your hands. That's why Jesus in his wisdom told us in Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God his righteousness. Now, all these things, what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, what we will drive, what we are going to fly, all these things that the Gentiles seek after shall be added unto you. They are additions. They are not to be chased. They are additions. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? But many Christians have lost it. They are chasing money. When they wake up, it's money. When they go to bed at night, it's money. Some are not in church because they're chasing money. When they even come to church to pray, it's money. How many prayer meetings do you see in town? All these online prayers that they do every morning, every morning. How many of them listen to their prayer point? How many of them pray the Pauline prayer? How many of them pray according to even the prophets, the apostles and the prophets? How many of them say, Lord, let's pray today that Christ will be formed in our heart, that we are going to be rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the length and breadth and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. How many of them pray, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? How many? How many say, Lord, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God? No, but that my bank account may be full with all the fullness of different currencies. That's what they are praying. And God is shaking his head. The unbelievers who don't pray at all, at all, at all, they have zillions of these things that you are talking about, that you are crying for, that you are fasting for. And so God is looking at us sometimes and saying, look at this, my children. Are you wise at all? People that don't speak in tongues, they have stinking billions that they've forgotten in some accounts. 
It takes an accountant to remind them, oh God, you know, do you know you have so and so? Oh, really? The senior pastor was telling me of one woman in America. A woman, no husband, nothing. She alone has 16 private jets. She has a clothing line. She's a businesswoman. 16 private jets. 16. 16, sir. 16. The richest of all the men of God in the world doesn't match that. 16. Now, someone like Papa Copeland, they've sown private jets as seed, maybe up to 16, as seed, but they don't have just at once 16. This woman has 16. So if private jet is the reason we are born again and we are coming to Jordan and we are praying, then we are in the wrong place. We better go to that woman and tell her, make her our God or she should show, her, show us the way to our God. But there must be something that the world doesn't have that we have in Christ. There must be something that money cannot buy no matter the amount of money. There must be something we are living for daily as we get up from our bed. Something we are chasing. And Jesus said, all you need to chase is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek. Seek. Seeking is a higher level than asking. Asking is the beginning. Seeking is a higher level. When you are seeking something, you are checking everywhere. You are sweeping the whole house like when you lose your key. You sweep. You go under the bed. Seek first. Not second. First. Part of seeking first the kingdom of God is when money comes to your hand. What do you do first with the money? You spend the one that is yours. And then I remember two weeks later. Oh, have I paid tithe? To seek first is to get God's money out. When money comes to my hand, before I begin to transfer to this person that needs something, that person that needs something, uh, the one that I even need, mm, 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 mm. the first 10% goes to God. It's part of seeking first. He didn't just say seek the kingdom of God. He said seek him first. The first part of your day, you spend it on your phone or you spend it with God. You want to check the post that you posted last night, how many views you've had or how many updates. Seek first. Church, this morning the Lord ministered to me. When we begin to align our priorities right, some things will be on autopilot in our lives. Autopilot. Some blessings will come. They will just be supernaturally natural. People, will, people you don't even know will just begin to open mighty doors for you. And you'll be looking at yourself and say, how did I get here? God brought me here. If we can get our priorities right, the entire world is sold out to chasing, chasing, chasing after vanity. If you know how people chase to have followers on Instagram, they will even pay money to get followers. Followers who don't know you. What about those Instagram account holders that have died, but the account is still active or is still there? With one point something million followers. Vanity upon vanity has tabernacled in the heart of men. We must be different. Are you listening to me? We must be different. It is until we are different that we can make a difference in our world. Hence, the teaching of spiritual gifts. So you can be conscious 
of who you are and what you have and the dimension in which God is dealing with you. Some of you already have some of these gifts. You have operated in them once and again. But you didn't even know. He said, something told me. I want that phrase to be out of your mouth completely. We can walk with God and know God. Can I get an amen to that? We can get to a point where we know God told me or the Holy Spirit told me. It's not a guesswork. Yeah, yeah something, something told me something. Now, if I call you someone or something every time, will, will you be happy? Now, something. Come, come, let me, let me talk to you. Something. Will you be happy? That's how we refer to God sometimes because we don't know. Daniel 11.32 says, but the people that do know their God, not those who know about their God, those who know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. Can I have an amen to that? Now concerning spiritual gifts, I will not have you ignorant, brethren. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, it didn't say the gift of the Spirit here. But it's referring to the gift. Referring to the gift as manifestation. So when the gift is in oppression, that is the Holy Ghost in oppression. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Not just for you to have personal profit, but to bring profit into the kingdom of God. For to one is given by the Holy Ghost, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Holy Spirit. To another, faith by the same Holy Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, descending of spirits. To another, which is what I'm going to teach next week, descending of spirits. And to another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Nine of them. But all these nine gifts, work at that one and the self-same Holy Spirit is the one distributing to every man according to his own will. Can I have an amen to that? Don't you ever forget, it is our job to covet these gifts as a corporate entity and even as individuals. It is his to determine who gets what. In verse 31, the last verse of that 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Yet I show you a more excellent way. What is the best gift? The gift you need right now. That is the best gift. If it's the gift of healing you need right now, that's the best gift. If it's the working of miracles you need right now, that's the best gift. If it's the word of wisdom you need right now, that's the best gift. So, I started with word of knowledge. I can't go over that because of my time. Then I moved on to word of wisdom. And today, I want to conclude on the word of wisdom. So, this is the gift of the word of wisdom part two. And this is going to be the closing on the word of wisdom, so that next week we go to another gift of the Spirit. Amen. Don't forget that through the word of wisdom, God reveals his divine purpose in his mind, the divine purpose in his mind and in his will. The word of wisdom is always futuristic. The word of knowledge, the distinction between them 
is the word of knowledge brings a revelation from the past or about the past or the present. Past or present. Revelation about the past or present. But the word of wisdom gives revelation about the future. About the plan of God. About the purpose of God. Amen. Now, the word of wisdom can come in different ways. It can come in or through prophecy. It can come through tongues and interpretation of tongues. And it can come through a dream or a vision. Let me say this very quickly. When a word of wisdom comes through prophecy, it is not the same Let me rephrase that. I want you to get it very clearly. Prophecy can be a vehicle through which a word of wisdom comes. A vehicle, a vessel through which it comes. So what you call prophecy sometimes actually carries in itself the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is different from the simple gift of prophecy. I will make you understand these statements I'm making tonight. I'll make it by the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe we all go to church somehow today via a vehicle. Maybe public transport or you drove yourself to church. Now, are you that vehicle? Come on, talk to me. Are you that vehicle? No, you are not a vehicle. But the vehicle transported you here. That is the way it is with Prophecy, carrying the word of wisdom. Is that a little bit clear to you? I'll give you practical examples, but I want you to get this now. The simple gift of prophecy is found in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. It is for edification. It is for exhortation and for comfort. Those three things, that is what a simple gift of prophecy is for. All right? A simple gift of prophecy. But when you stand in the office of a prophet, you had better have the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom operating with your gift of prophecy. Because the simple gift of prophecy will not give any revelation. And it will not give any prediction about the future. It will just do the work of edification, the, word of, uh, the work of exhortation, and comfort. Can we see that scripture? 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. But he that prophesieth, that's prophecy, speaketh unto men to edification. What does that mean? To build you up. Exhortation. To encourage you. To challenge you. To move you forward. And comfort. These are the three components or the three things achieved by a simple gift of prophecy. So when somebody comes and gives you a prophecy and it is not for edification or exhortation or comfort, bringing comfort to your heart, you can thrash it out. However, when you stand in the office of a prophet, the fact that you have the gift of prophecy does not mean that you are a prophet. 
those who operate in the office of a prophet must necessarily do so having the manifestation of other gifts in their lives or in their ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So, because to stand in the office of a prophet, you might have to make predictions about the future. That, well, my sister, the Lord, as we're praying, the Lord showed me something. Um, I believe something big is coming your way and these are the instructions that the Lord said I should give you, etc., etc. Now, you are already given a word of wisdom. It is all called prophecy. But prophecy in itself does not give you any predictions about the future. And really, it has no revelation to it. But the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits, the three of them are called the, the gifts that reveal something. They reveal something. They are called revelation gifts. They reveal something. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? I, I want to be sure that I'm getting across. Are you getting what I'm saying? All right, very good. I'll give you examples from the Bible. So those examples will also make, them, make what I'm saying clearer. Now, the Old Testament prophets that had the gift of the Holy Spirit in operation in their lives, in order for them to stand in the office of the prophet, they had the gift of the Holy Spirit in order to stand in the office of the prophet. They made predictions about the future. Even though the predictions came through prophecy, they were actually words of wisdom. Are you getting what I'm saying? They were, some of them made predictions, thus said the Lord, like somebody said, thus said the Lord tomorrow about this time. Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel at the gate of Samaria and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria? Now, thus said the Lord. That's a prophecy. But inside that prophecy, the man of God gave the specific instruction or gave the specific prediction of what God was going to do tomorrow about this time. And it came to pass. You remember in that prophecy, one man said, even if the Lord will open the windows of heaven, how can that be? And the man of God, who had no chill, said to him, it will happen. You will see with your eyes, but you will not partake of it. And exactly as he said, by the next day, by some divine orchestrations in the realm of the spirit, some four lepers decided to move to the gate of some, they decided to move to the camp of the Syrians. And the Syrian host, when they had them, they didn't hear the footsteps of lepers, they had noise of chariots. Chariots from, you know, maybe from Egypt. They said, ah, the king of Israel, the king of Samaria has hired mercenaries against us. So they fled. They ran away from their camp. All the fruit, the food they brought to the war front. I don't know why you are going to war. You are carrying food. Even if they carried food to sustain themselves, why did they bring clothes? Designer clothes. If they brought clothes for change of raiment, why did they bring gold and silver? Do you spend money in the war front? But do you know, as they were picking those things, the Spirit of God was in operation. Oh yeah, pick it. Take all your gold. No, don't leave anyone remaining. Pick, pack everything. Yeah, pack it. My children need it. I say pack everything. Oh, sir, is it enough? No, it's not enough. Go inside. The one you bury, dig it. <laughs> pack it. Pack. All join. All join. They carry their gold. These things are not ordinary. To the war front. What for? To leave them there. For God's children to come and take them. They were cooking food. They heard the noise of chariots. They left the food on fire. Ran away. Why? Because God's children were very hungry. They needed to come and eat food first. Before carrying food stuff back home. 
food was so plenty at the end of this encounter, so much that they were selling a measure of fine flour for a shekel. That's like selling a Congo of rice in Nigeria for 100 naira. Or say for 1 naira. Or say for 10 naira. Ridiculous. And two measures of barley for a shekel. Because somebody gave a prophecy and inside that prophecy was a word of wisdom. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? The divine purpose of God. Tomorrow about this time. The first thing I want you to notice is what I've just said. That the simple gift of prophecy has no predictions. The simple gift of prophecy is different from a word of wisdom, but it is often a vessel through which the word of wisdom can be carried. Are you getting what I'm saying? God can also give you a word of wisdom in your vision. Your vision in the night. He can give you, you can have a dream and God will give you a word of wisdom about something to do. You know Romans 8.14, the message translation says, God's spirit becomes. There are things to do and places to go. May the Lord show you things to do. May the Lord show you places to go. You see, when somebody doesn't know where to go or doesn't know how to get to where they want to go, it, it leads to frustration. Ecclesiastes, I think it's 1015 or 1510, says the labor of the foolish wearied every one of them because they know not how to go to the city. There are times people are confused in their lives. They don't know where to go. They don't know what next to do. I pray for you in the name of Jesus, by the help of the Holy Spirit, at every point in your life, at every critical point, you will know what to do and you will know where to go in the name of Jesus. Number two, the word of wisdom may come in many forms. I've said this also. I've just wrote down those points. It may be given by an audible voice. You may hear the voice of God. It could come in a vision. It could come in a dream. It may come through the vocal gift of prophecy or through tongues and interpretation. Let me give you an example very quickly. You remember the man Joseph? How did God relate to him? What was going to happen in the future? Anybody knows? Joseph, how did God relate to him? How did God show him what was going to happen in the future? How? Through dreams. Now, they were not just dreams. Anybody can dream. As a Nigerian, you can dream that you, are, you just saw yourself in the White House. They say, welcome, you are the president of America. Very weird dreams. Very weird. I'm not limiting you. But the chances that at your age now, that you can still become the president of America must be divine. It has to be divine. I'm not talking about your children. Because some of you will still relocate, get married in America and have children. Those children can become because they're American citizens. But you now, you are quacky, you are green, green passports. You too can still change citizenship over time, you know. And maybe your English can still change. All right? Who knows? Maybe another 20 years from now or 10 years from now. But you see, some dreams are weird. They're just weird. And even when you wake up, you'll be laughing at yourself. <laughs> what kind of stupid dream is this now? I just became president. Or maybe you became Ghanaian president. You say, how? I've never even been to Ghana in my life. But you know, through dreams also, God gives words of wisdom. 
That was how he dealt with Joseph. Joseph had those dreams, and they were anointed dreams. He received the word of wisdom through dreams. And those dreams revealed the plans and purposes of God for the future. Not only for himself. You remember he had dreams about himself? Uh, he saw his sheaf standing, and the sheaves of his brothers bowing before his own sheaf, and they hated him for that. And again, another time, he saw himself, his star was shining, and the moon, the sun and moon bowed before his own star. That's daddy and mommy, including all the other stars, bowed before him. God was showing him what was to come. But those ones were not even as clear. Or let me say, later in his life, he had more cutting edge to his dreams. Like when he was in prison, for instance, and they sent for him. He interpreted the dream of some guys in the prison, the chief uh, uh, butler and chief baker of Pharaoh. He said to one of them, the king will restore you. He said to the other one, the king will send for you and kill you. He will cut your head. And it happened exactly like that. But he said to the one that will be restored, when it, when it is well with you, please mention me. Make mention of me to the king. And that one forgot him. He didn't forget. He forgot him. Forgot means for a long time. All right? Now, then they sent for him because the king had a dream. And nobody could inter interpret the dream. They didn't even remember the, 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 the man didn't even remember the dream. And all the magicians could not tell him. What, I said, what kind of man is this one now? So it was you that had the dream. Tell us your dream, then we will interpret. He said, no, you have to remember my dream. Tell me my dream and tell me the interpretation. All the magicians, all the astrologers, they were calling on their God. Ah, Ashtaroth, 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 Ashtaroth. And I lie, Ashtaroth did not answer them. They called them, Baal, 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 Baal. He didn't answer them. He said, tell me my dream. You have been on salary for, 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 for too long. Feeding fat. Look at this one. With fat Even me, Pharaoh, I don't have fat belly. Look at you. Collecting my salary. Oh, you're telling my dream. Or today I will kill you. None of them could do it. And then he told him. And Joseph, when the man told Joseph, he said, I've been told that you are able to interpret dreams. Joseph, Joseph said, ah, no, sir. He said, the Lord will give a peaceful answer to Pharaoh. The Lord. He said, it's not in me. Thank you, media. Genesis 41, 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. It's not me. Some people are too arrogant. When God uses them small like this, now nah, I'm a general overseer. Overseeing everybody. Look at, look, at, look at Joseph. He said, it's not in me. See, learn to not take the glory. Don't share God. Especially those of you that will be ministry in the future. When God does anything through you, be quick to return the glory to God. You see, people will make you big. They will make your head swell and they will destroy you. People. People are the problems of people. People don't tell one another the truth. My brother, that path you are towing is the path of pride. Submit yourself. Humble. No, no. They say, no. You are, you are the one that is right. The other person is wrong. You are right. You are right. In fact, and that's how people get big heads and then the head will burst one day. May your head not burst in Jesus' name. Joseph said, it's not in me. He said, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. It's not in me. And Joseph, because he factored God in, God gave him the interpretation. 
He said, you had two dreams. And the dream was doubled. He said, it's the same dream. It's one dream. But it was doubled twice unto Pharaoh. He said, because this thing has been established by God. It has been established to come to pass. Now, anything that has been established by God, you see it twice. is a covenant. Because number two is the number of a covenant. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the two of them shall be one flesh. It's a mystery. It's a covenant. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he said it twice, except a man be born twice, two, he will not see the kingdom of God. Let him do anything. Let him give all his money to the, to the orphanages in the world. If you are not born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes because the ground on which you are standing is holy ground. Twice. Abraham, Abraham, stay in thy hand. Don't kill that. Twice. Joseph said to Pharaoh, God has doubled the dream because this thing is established and it will come to pass. Anything that the Lord says twice is a done deal. That's why the psalmist said, once has he spoken. But how many times have I heard? Twice. That power belongs to God. Power is monocentric in the universe. You can only trace it to God. Unto him belongeth power. Revelation 4.11 Thou art worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Amen. And Joseph gave him an accurate interpretation of the dreams. He said the first one you saw represents seven years of plenty. Ah, <laughs> he said you have seven years of plenty. Prosperity will come from everywhere. You will be like the smartest country in the world. He said, but they will be followed by another seven years. See, this second set of seven years, there will be years of leanness. There will be years of famine. And the famine will be so grievous in the land that it will swallow up the first seven years of prosperity that it will seem as if you would never tasted prosperity in your life. Church, listen. I have seen people born in opulence, in wealth. I have seen the later part of their years spent in penury. May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. Some people, when you look at them today, it will be as though they had never handled money. And I'm talking about people that had handled millions. What happened? It would be as if they never been to the airport and they had lived over 10 years overseas. For some reason, they got deported. Now they are home, stranded. Beginning. And enjoy the rest. Am I right? Than to enjoy in the beginning and suffer in the rest. That's why the Bible says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. That's why jo uh, uh, David said, it is better for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. That wasn't God's plan. That was the enemy's plan. How did I know? Because if it was God's plan, Joseph would not have been able to provide the solution. You can't provide the solution if God is the problem. 
<laughs> Did somebody get what I said? That's why you, you try all you can in your life to not get God to be your problem. Because if God becomes your problem, you have the greatest problem in the world. If the devil is your problem, you have no problem. As long as you're on God's side. That's why I say to young people, try not to walk yourself into the curse. Don't be like Reuben. The day of blessing. Turn to the day of cursing for him. Why? Because he went up to his father's couch. He slept with his father's wife. So the day of blessing became the day of curse. Joseph said, sir, this is what we are going to do. Because Pharaoh was perplexed. Seven years of plenty, that sounds good. But to be followed by seven years of leanness. Ah, no, I don't want that to happen. What are we going to do? Is that how we're going to die? He said, sir, let Pharaoh, my lord, the king, seek out from among the people a man who is wise and discreet. And what is this man going to do? Let him build barns where they can store harvest of the seven years of prosperity. The fifth portion of every harvest. Every hundred thousand that comes to your hand after paying your tithe of ten thousand. Paying, take twenty, take, what's, what, that's twenty percent, isn't it? Twenty percent of it. Put it away in a savings account. Another hundred thousand comes after you have removed your tithe. Take 20%, save it away in an account where you don't have the ATM card. It will shock you how much you can save in one year. You. 20%. Just to be saving 20% on every income. 20%. Save the way. That was what Joseph said. He said, take the fifth portion of every harvest. Let's store it. Let's store it. Every harvest. And that happened year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, year seven. At the end of the seventh year, leanness came. Before that happened, when he proposed that solution, Pharaoh said, look at this boy. He said, I should seek a man that is wise and discreet. He looked at all the senators, stupid magicians, I'll be collecting salary from him. He said, no, tell me, who is as wise and discreet as this one is? In whom the spirit of God is. Pharaoh, a hedonistic, unbelieving king, realized and discovered and recognized that the spirit of God was in Joseph, an unbeliever. What impact is your life making? Are you known for gossip? Gossip me. Anywhere they say there's gossip, they have to trace it to your name. You should go to one corner and weep for yourself and, and repent before them and say, God, please, forgive me and make something out of my life. Joseph was only 30 years at this time. At 17, they had sent him to the prison. Or he had been sold, rather. He had been sold and then, of course, sent to prison. He became the prime minister. Pharaoh said, no, tell me, no, no. Senator Suraju, are you as wise as this one? Say, ah, like, wise care, my lord, ah, no. Wisdom, ah, no, I don't have it. Senator Shahaba, 
Are you as wise? Ah, my Lord. The thing was coded. It was Joseph that decoded. It was coded in a dream. But by the help of the Holy Spirit, Joseph decoded it. Listen, in the New Testament, when we begin to you are decoding stuff. Second, First Corinthians 14, 2. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men but to God. Men do not understand them because it's coded. How be it in the spirit? He's speaking mysteries. He's decoding. In 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 10. No man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man. Alright. But God has revealed them unto us, decoded them to us by his spirit. God does his decoding by spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. How many things? Yea, the deep things of God. Next verse. For, no, for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him. Likewise, the things of God knoweth no man, no mortal, but the spirit of God. Joseph operated by the Spirit of God and he knew the things of God. He was able to decode. See, oh God, that fat cow you saw, that's not a fat cow. That represents seven years of prosperity. That lean cow, those are seven years of poverty. Ah! Lord, baptize us afresh with your Spirit. As many as are hungry. As many as are hungry. These things make life simple and easy. They make life easy. People make life, the flesh makes life difficult. The spirit makes life easy. You will walk through tribulation and you'll be singing. Because you know the one that is in you is greater than the one in the world. They say they are gathering together against you. You are not bothered. You are not bothered because you know that the one that is working for you is more than the one working for them. The Spirit of God. They came to Joseph in the form of dreams and interpretation. But essentially, God was revealing to him the things he was going to do. The plan, the divine purpose in the will of God. Say, hey, Joseph, I give you. But it's packaged in the dream form. The word of wisdom. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed tonight? Moses received the revelation of the law in an audible voice as God gave it to him. This law concerned God's purpose for Israel. This is also true of the prophets of Old Testament who prophesied many things concerning Israel's future. Some of them prophesied concerning the new covenant. Some of them prophesied concerning the coming Messiah. Malachi, for example, in chapter 3. Verses 1 to 3. Prophesied about the Holy Spirit. He said, the messenger of the covenant, whom thou seekest, shall come speedily into the temple. And he shall sit upon the sons of Levi. Behold, I will send my messenger. And he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, he shall come. See the Lord of hosts. Yeah, move on. 
But who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth? Move on. For he's like a refiner's fire and the fuller soap. Move on. And he shall set SIT as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. He will sit on them. What happened when the day of Pentecost was fully come? Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. The day came and the Holy Ghost came suddenly. Malachi said he shall come suddenly. He came suddenly. Malachi said he shall sit on them. And there appeared cloven tongues like as of fire. And he sat upon each of them. And he gave them utterance. He changed their language. He purified their mouth. My God. This was prophesied. Long, long, long before. They were able to see into the divine plan of God. That's word of wisdom. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? When the fire of God touches your tongue, it purifies you. Isaiah chapter 6, I think it was. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Thank you. Sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Yeah, move on. Move on. Above his stood the seraphim. of him. Each one has six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his body, his feet, and with, sorry, his feet, his feet, and with twain he did fly. Move on. Move on. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's Jehovah El Sabaoth. The whole earth is full of his glory. Yeah, move on. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Yeah. Then said I, Woe is me. Why? For I am undone. Why? Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice what was unclean in his body. The lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Move on, quick. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a life call in his hand. Do you know what a life call is? This generation doesn't know a life call. You know charcoal. When you put charcoal in fire, and then fire works on it, and then it turns red. It's not bringing out fire, but it's red. That means fire has saturated it. That's a life call. Can you go to where they are using it, maybe to, to, to roast corn, and then you take it with your bare hands? Even the angel didn't take it with bare hands. He used a tongue. You know what they call tongues? They use it in chemistry to pick hot objects in the laboratory. The angel brought one. Used it to take the life coal. Angel, why didn't you take it with your hand? Now see what the angel did. He took it from off the altar. Move on. And he laid it upon my mouth. This is called baptism by fire. My God, if you slip off uh, and you open your mouth uh, and the devil enters somebody, may you not be around somebody that the devil will enter. Somebody was telling me yesterday. Let me tell you what I want to say, then I'll tell you what that person told me. Can you imagine some, the devil enters somebody and they plug electric iron and they allow that electric iron to be very hot and they remove it. And while your mouth is open and you're in slumberland, uh, and then the person, the devil said to that person, oh Yeah, put hot iron in the tongue 
and he presses it on your tongue. You wake up from your sleep. That person will wake up derailed. I was with someone yesterday. Someone had ministered to him and I went to minister to him again yesterday. And he said to me, he was telling me how life used to be when he was smoking weed. He said one day, as a student in Polytechnic somewhere, when he finished smoking weed, the spirit of weed told him, go and pour water on your head. You know, because his head was hot. To say, pour water, pour water, pour water. Then the spirit now told him, you have poured water enough. Now begin to jog. So he started jogging. Started jogging on the spot. Then the spirit told him, now run! He said at that point, the mercy of God told him, if you run, you run into the market. Oh, what journey are you in life? He said that day, he just quietly walked back into his room and started singing praises, choruses, church songs. Praising the Lord. I said, that choruses must be in another level. He said, ah! The one you do with energy. Praising the Lord! Always! All the neighbors were coming. Bro, what happened? Praising the Lord! With all my heart! <laughs> it was no ordinary eye. He said, another time. God saved him that one. Who? Another time he went to smoke weed. Ah, he said, pastor, he said, God has had mercy on me. He said, when he finished smoking the weed, he just went home. He walked home quietly. His elder brother was now saying something. He said, because he carried the fan. When he got home, he was feeling hot. So he carried the fan, standing fan, and began to twist the neck. The fan was working, but to him, it wasn't working. So he was twisting the neck. Work well now. So the elder brother said, what's wrong with you now? You want to break the fan? And actually, he broke the neck of the fan. He said, but he didn't care. He said, this fan is not blowing enough. And in his mind, he said he had a voice. Go and plug electric iron. That your brother that is running his mouth. Go and paste, you, you place it on his cheek. He said, the moment he had that, say, eh? what has he done to me? He said, the mercy of God restored my sanity. He said, that day, I went back to my room and I started singing church songs. I was just singing. He said, because he knew he was one step away from madness. I know people in Mokola, where I grew up, who have run mad, not because there was one witch or wizard anywhere, just weed. One boy, he will, on the streets, he would just be dancing. No music, all by himself. I said, it is you people that are saying there's no music. There's a music going on in his head. He can hear it loud and clear. Even we who are not mad, there are times a song is playing in your head. I posted it before on my WhatsApp. I shared it with you. I had events back to back, back to back, and it was this song then. Uh, oh, thank you, some of you. <laughs> my customers. That's all. I mean, I would go into my prayer closet to pray, and before I open my mouth to say, Father, I thank you for today, I'll be hearing in my head. Fire, fire, fire. Put one left for fire. Oh. I say, hey, only work by me. <laughs> I asked my wife, I said, please, who sang this song? Then I put it on my post, expression as I said, please, who sang this song? People were giving me different suggestions. God will have mercy on all of you. <laughs> then I said, how shall we do? I think it was Jemima. Some other people also gave their suggestions. But I found, I found that one very useful. She said, if I were the person, because you know when you want to ask that question, you will say, if a song is playing in your head, you say, if song is playing on somebody's head, <laughs> how can, 
What can you advise the person? So she said, if I were the person, I would just take charge of that spirit. I said, oh, ah, very good. So I had to take charge. I mean, I'll get my prayer closet. Prayer closet. I understand bedroom. This demon did not have respect for prayer closet. That's somebody that is not mad. Now imagine someone that has now taken weed. You're in another world. You will be dancing in the middle of the road. Adam has sweat early in the morning. No DJ around, but there was a DJ on his head. Tum, tum, boom. Tum, tum, boom. <laughs> you know all those songs you listen to now? Well, I follow you. Dum, dum, bam. Dum, dum. <laughs> and men, those boys, they have those beats. Oh, Lord have mercy. Moses received. Now, so I was talking about this man, actually, Isaiah. Now, what happened to him? Okay, let's take one more verse and then we close. And he laid it upon my mouth. How do you think he would have acted or reacted with the life coal in his mouth? Can somebody demonstrate it? Imagine hot iron on your tongue when you were sleeping. You were not awake, oh. you slept. Ah, ah somebody put hot iron. I thought Toby was going to demonstrate it. <laughs> you will dance without music. That one is called dancing. Have you danced without music before? You touch something hot. <laughs> That's dancing without music. And guess what the angel said? The angel said, Lo. In other words, Lo. Use it. He said, This has touched thy lips. And thine iniquity is taken away. And thy sin purged. Why? Because the problem is always attached with the mouth. Who is he among you that considers himself religious? Let him bridle his tongue. James said, for out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Said these things ought not to be so. And if a man is pure in his speech, then his whole body can be preserved. Can I have an amen to that? Word of wisdom. Let me close it tonight. One thing I wanted to know about the Old Testament prophets was that as they prophesied many, many times, both word of wisdom and word of knowledge flowed together. Both flowed together. While word of knowledge tells them where the problem is coming from is a revelation about the past and the present condition. You also have the word of wisdom telling them how to get out of that situation. Can I have an amen to that? In the New Testament, we see the same thing in operation. Act 11. I have two scriptures, but please let me just read this one. Act 11, 28 to 30. Can I have that on the screen, please? Act 11, 28 to 30 was about a man called Agabus. He was a prophet. Act 11, 28 to 30. Are you getting blessed tonight? And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by, this, by the spirit that there should be great death throughout all the world. You see? Great death, great famine, like in the days of Joseph, throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples 
every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. This man, Agabus, was a man of integrity. So they believed this prophecy. See, you don't just take anything that comes from anybody. You test all spirits. And over time, too, you learn to be very careful. Don't just be walking on the road and you let one man stop you and say, mm, mm, ah, ah. I learned that from Samuel Labanji. When they want to give you an evil prophecy, they will run away. But Agabus was not like that. He was a man that was known for his integrity and the accuracy of his prophecies. He prophesied by the Spirit. Bible says he signified by the Spirit that there will be a death all over the world. And what did the believers do? They began to send relief materials to the brethren in Judea. You see, I pray that we still have this brand of Christianity in the world. Where those of us that have a little more than others would be a blessing to them. Would be a blessing to them. Not the kind of Christianity we have today that is just have, 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 collect, collect. In fact, it's a, it's a slang now. You won't collect. That's the spirit of the world. Collect, collect. The spirit of the gospel is to give. Why did they believe him? Because he was a man of integrity. And did this prophecy come to pass? Yes! He said there will be a famine all over the world. <laughs> when the believers had that, they began to put together relief material. Some of them, they sent through Paul and, and Barnabas. They sent them to the believers in Judea who were not as privileged as they were, who were not as opulent as they were. They send them foodstuff. They send them uh, toiletries, soap, uh, 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 dettol, face towels, paper towels, milk, milkshake, uh, uh, conflicts, milo, tubers of yam, gallons of oil, uh, beans, rice, all the things they would need. And guess what? Those things sustained them when the famine eventually came. They would have died of hunger. When you are fasting for a long time and you are not eating at all, absolute fast, you are not breaking. In Yoruba, it's called biribiri, marathon. The first 10 days or so, because nothing is going in except water, and there's a time you have to drink water and the quantity. So you have to be guided to do this. Don't try it if you don't have proper guidance. The body, because there is no food, for, the, for those few days, will be feasting on the fat. The body will be feasting on the fat. If you continue for a long time, it will get to a point, stage four cancer level. It's not cancer, but deadly level. The body will start feeding on the muscles. That's why you see those children from Somalia back in those days. Countries, African countries that have been war-torn. And nobody to care for the children. When they show them on TV, you'll be seeing their ribs. you see their hands like skeleton. They say they had kwashiorkor. 
Because the body had feasted on the fat, no more fat. Now it's now feasting on the muscles. That would have happened to the believers in Judea had these other believers not sent them relief materials. And how would they have known to send them relief materials had the Spirit of God not operated through Agabus, giving him a word of wisdom? Are you getting what I'm saying? You see how these things can save our lives. You see how it can help us save the lives of other people. You see how it can help our church. Young people, please desire these gifts. Let us not replace the gift of the spirit with the works of the flesh amongst us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, evil speaking, maliciousness, idle talking. If the church is engrossed in that, there is no way you will be engrossed in the things of the spirit. And may it not be said concerning you on the day that you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that I wanted to move into that church, but you prevented me. I wanted to use you, I wanted to pour out my spirit, but you got involved in, in, in anti-church anti events. May that not be the voice we will hear in the name of Jesus. That's why every man has to be careful. The last scripture I'll show you tonight. It was also about this man, Agabus. He gave another prophecy. Acts 21, verses 11 to 14. Act 21, 11 to 14. But this time, the man he gave it about, he was a very tough man. And when he was coming to us, Luke was also here, the writer of the book of Acts, was in this gathering. He says, so when he, when he came to us, he took Paul's schedule and bound his own hands and feet and said, God saith the Holy Ghost. These are the kind of people I like. The Holy Spirit told me. Uh, something said, God saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this ghetto and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. <laughs> if you hear that kind of thing, we do still want to go on that journey. Say, as, as I have bound myself, God saith the Holy Ghost. As the Lord liveth, as I have bound myself, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man that owns this garden and they will deliver him to the Gentiles. And when we have these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. They were begging Paul. Bro, please don't go to Jerusalem. This is how they say they will bind you. Agabus is not a commercial prophet. Whatever he says comes to pass. His prophecies are always accurate. It was a prophecy, but it was a word of wisdom. What was going to happen? Are you getting what I'm saying now? Now, then they began to beg Paul. Verse 13. And then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem. Why? For the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't let them just bind me. Let them kill me. Kai, 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 Kai. Such commitment. And guess what? He went. 
Because verse 14 says, and when he will not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. They tried to persuade him. Paul, please, Paul, 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 don't go. He said, what do you mean? You are even crying. You are crying for me to not go. So I will not be bound. I just don't want to be bound. I want to, I want to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when people are discommitted, they don't die easy. Ah, no, they don't. People that risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. No wonder they could not kill him. They beat him to stupor in one place. They thought he had died. They left him outside the town. As they left, he got up, went back to town, continued preaching. In prison, often. 39, five times. The Jews gave him 39 stripes. Five times. Five times. He was beaten several times with iron rod. Several times he was stoned. He suffered shipwreck. All for the gospel. None of these things moved me, said Paul. No wonder even death could not kill him. Paul didn't die the normal death of people. Death came several times, knocking. But death could not get hold of him. He got to a point in his ministry. He said, I've finished my course. I have run my race. Before he got to that point, at some point he was saying, should I go? Should I not go? He was playing with death. If I stay now, it's for your benefit. But if I go, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And I would like to go because I like to stay with the Lord forever. You, you have tried. But let me not die yet. Let me still stay because of you. Ah! And some Christians are busy running from one prayer mountain to Babalawo's house. Praying not to die. They are after me. They want to kill me. I've seen myself in the coffin. Ah, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor Fred, pray for you. Pastor Alex, pray for you. Then one, my mom is prophet. On the mother, pray for you. They want to kill me. Or day. Look at Paul. Should I go? Let me stay small because of you people. Then he got to that point when he said, Guys, I've finished my course. I have run my race. Now there is laid off for me a crown. I've fought a good fight. My God, may this be your testimony in the name of Jesus. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. Move on, please. First, Second Timothy 4, 7. Move on, move on. Henceforth, verse 8, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Stand on your feet, everybody. 